The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Proverbs 23 that we'll be looking at today is filled with warnings, but it's also filled with hope. And uh, I want to start off with one of these verses that has great hope. And if you look at it carefully, you'll see the redemption that's in Christ. It's verses 17 and 18. Listen, do not let your heart envy sinners, but in the fear of the Lord continue all day long. For surely there is a hereafter and your hope will not be cut off. I love verse 18. For surely there is a hereafter. Where are you going to spend mm. that hereafter? Are you going to spend it with Jesus Christ in heaven, or will you spend it apart from God in a place called hell? That is the alternatives. At the point of death, you're one of two choices. You don't have three. You don't have fours. And that choice must be made before death. This is Bert Harper and Alex McFarlane, and this is Exploring the Word. And yes, we preach, we teach, we pray. Uh, exploring the Word has a lot of things that we do, but more than anything else, we glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, don't we, Alex? Well, we do. We do, and we feel very honored to be on the American Family Radio Network teaching the Bible. And uh, we're getting into Proverbs chapter 23, and we encourage each and everybody not only to be a Bible reader, but to be a Bible believer. Uh, we do believe the Bible is the infallible, inerrant Word of God. And, Bert, let me just say this. Uh, earlier today I was doing some research because you and I are recording uh, later on this week. You and I are going to do some uh, kind of, I guess we call them backup shows, you know, for later on. And I was thinking about a word that needs to be reintroduced on a pretty regular cycle, and that's the word inerrancy. Amen. Bert, um, we must always understand that for 2,000 years the church has viewed, and I mean the true church, the true followers of the Lord Jesus, we recognize the inerrancy of Scripture, that the Bible is the infallible Word of God without error. God cannot lie, cannot make a mistake, and since the Bible is His Word, the Bible too is without error. And uh, when we acknowledge the the inerrancy of Scripture without error, we also recognize that it's the authority. Amen. That uh, we are to live by the Bible, aren't we? We are. Because of its inerrancy, it has authority. And if, mm-hmm. if it was possible to for it not to be inerrant, uh, we would be responsible. Okay, which part's right? Which part is not right? And that's what's happening in the woke community that's staying in it. Oh, that's that's a troubling passage. It's not relevant today. Yes, it is relevant today. If the Bible is recorded in errancy, it is accurate. You was talking about that today. This is amazing, Alex. You do research in that word. I was looking about a church that I knew about, and uh, I was looking at their website, and it says what we believe. And the first thing it said was, we believe in the inerrancy of the Scriptures. Therefore, the authority that they give is for our salvation and for our life. And so, Alex, um, this is so important. So Proverbs 23, when we dig into it, in opening, I was telling the guys here, uh, Brent, Robert, and Richard, the guys that oh, help us produce this program. It's not just Alex and me. We have other guys that are working. Uh, I told them it opens up with a warning about gluttony. And it closes with the warning about drunkenness. And uh, so uh, Proverbs 23 opens up this way. Let me read verses 1, 2, and 3. And Alex, I'll throw it to you. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you. And put a knife to your throat if you are a man given to appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. Now, Alex, mm-hmm. this, this three verses has very many tentacles it has to do with our appetite it has to do with us with the possibility of us being deceived deceived and then it has the idea of trying to impress the person that you're sitting down with listen uh we just need to be honest we need to be who we are we need to be self-disciplined 
if you don't get anything out of the whole book of Proverbs, the thing you get is the power of self-discipline. And for the believer, that's one of the fruits of the Spirit is having that self-control. Mm-hmm. Proverbs 23 is preaching self-control, Alex. Well, exactly. Self-control is so important. And, and I know in these first three verses, um, sitting down with a ruler, considering, uh, you know, at the very least, now, there could be the implication that, like, in verse 3, maybe maybe you're getting fed a good meal because you're going to get bribed. Be mindful of that, that maybe they're trying to get you to do something or something. But my grandmother, I was so blessed. We, at, for a time during my childhood, both grandmothers lived with us, my dad's mom and my mom's mom. And my sister and I, one time at the table, were fighting over a piece of food or something. And my grandmother, Joy, she's in heaven, she said, always remember, don't take the biggest piece of chicken and don't take the last piece of pie. <laughs> now, uh, Bert, I remember when I was in college and one of my very first jobs, I went out to lunch with a couple of the bosses. And I just remember... I need to, I'm not going to order the most expensive thing, and I need to watch my manners, you know. When you're sitting with a ruler now, whether it be for, for you know, somebody trusted that you need to make a, a positive impression on, uh, consider uh, you, the time that you're there to make a good impression, that's not when you want to, uh, you know, forget your manners, is it? Or, right. or just be a glutton. <laughs> you, you want to... Because here's the thing. But, Alex, let me interrupt you a second. Yeah. I think to do that, you better start practicing it normally. In other That's words, right. if, if you don't do it normally, are you going to do it at that time when it's so important? You may mess up. Yeah. So make it a part of your life all the time. Yes. Is that is that good advice? That's true. That That's true. And do you know what I was uh, teaching a class? I was talking about the, the Victorian era 300 years ago. You know, every now and then Victorian – is a word that people talk about, oh, it was so prim and proper and everybody was sort of putting on airs. And that may have been in some cases, but do you know the whole idea of manners and etiquette and and being respectful to each other was really based out of the idea that everybody is made in God's image. And when I'm being respectful to you, I'm really being respectful to the one whose image you bear. And you remember Matthew 25 says we give a cup of cold water in Christ's name. It's as if we've done it for, for Jesus. And so, you know, practice manners. Uh, think of etiquette and being uh, showing deference to people and civility because really it's a way of honoring uh, the Lord who we're made in his image. Exactly. In verses 4 and 5, they go together as well. Do not overlook to be rich. Overwork to be rich. Don't be a workaholic. That's the whole idea. Because of your own understanding cease. Will will you not set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings and fly away like an eagle toward heaven. What a way to say your money may be here today and gone tomorrow. I think it happened at the time of the Great Depression. The stock market mm-hmm. fell. It happened a few years ago, the Black Friday, when, man, all that happened. So you better be careful. Do not put your confidence in your finances, in your bank account, regardless of how big it is. Our confidence is in the Lord. That's where it belongs, and he'll see us through. And and you work. Yes, you work. You need to make a living, so you work that way. But to sacrifice family to sacrifice so many things in order to get more and more and more is not a wise decision, Alex. No, it isn't. So so it goes on in Proverbs 23 about, uh, you know, just lusting too much after money. Uh, and because if you do, if you look at verse 6 and verse 7 and verse 8, the thing is you'll compromise. And very often people in the quest to acquire things have uh, gotten involved with people they ordinarily wouldn't have been involved with. And it says, you know, this person with the evil eye, his heart is not with you. Um, (laughs) The morsel which you have eaten shall you vomit up and lose thy sweet words. Uh, Very often that thing that uh, became an obsession uh, can can be such a a downfall. Um, And we've stewardship and keeping God number one in our life and being responsible, but not being 
uh, just covetous. Because, Bert, isn't it maybe materialism, workaholism, compromising uh, morals and decisions? It really is an outflow of covetousness, is it not? It really does, and it comes from that, and the Bible warns us about that. He says, thou shalt not covet. It's one of the Ten Commandments, matter of fact. And, and again, the Ten Commandments was given. I, I, I bring this up, and I know I bring it up a lot, but one of the most important things in the Ten Commandments is look and when it was given. It was given to them right before they were to go into the promised land these are principles you want to govern yourself by. And then guess what happened in Deuteronomy? After they didn't go in the first time, right before they're to go in and really go in, he reminds them of those still those Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy, Alex. And so mm-hmm. here what you have uh, about covetousness is so real. And, and the Bible makes it plain, not just money, but what your friend has and uh, what your enemy might have. And so it says in verse 9, Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. Um, yes. Yeah. Listen, you always speak truth, and you do your best to speak in wisdom, but understanding not everybody's going to receive it, are they? Uh, no, they're not. I want to read 10 and 11. Remove not the old landmark, and enter not into the fields of the fatherless, for their Redeemer is mighty. He shall plead their cause with thee. Now, uh, much has been preached and written about what are the landmarks, and, and the word there means two things. It means boundary and it means territory. Let me say some of the boundaries that we ought never remove are the boundary that we will live within the scope of God's Word. We will not go beyond what is moral and ethical and true. And, Bert, there have been a lot of landmarks destroyed in our time, uh, moral and ethical boundaries. But then it goes on, the fields of the fatherless. Now, there, there was the principle of gleaning. Right. And this is just so amazing. It says, for their Redeemer is mighty. Amen. All right. <laughs> in the ancient world, they would let the poor people and the orphans pick up vegetables and glean. And the word there in 11 is kinsman. Do you remember the book yes. of Ruth That's and the perfect. kinsman redeemer? That's Isn't it. that something? That is beautiful. And it is, uh, the kinsman redeemer is a picture of who Jesus Christ is. He it's like rede- Boaz. Exactly. He redeems our soul from hell. That's what Jesus Christ has done on the cross when he was buried, and he rose again, overcoming our two greatest enemies, sin and death. Does your Redeemer live? If it's Jesus Christ, he does, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father right now. We'll be back with more of Proverbs 23 right after this break. This is Pause to Pray. A chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Senator Mike Rounds of South Dakota. He is the state's junior senator, as well as the state's former governor. 1 Peter 5.3 reminds us the qualities of a good leader. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Right now with this in mind, would you be so kind to pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to guide Senator Mike Rounds as he represents the people of South Dakota. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says God can be trusted to meet more than our needs. How much more? We'll find out today as we spend two minutes with Tony. Philippians 4.19, my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Needs, food, clothes, and shelter, okay? Roof over your head, clothes on your back, and food in your stomach. That's a need. The Bible says, if God is taking care of that, with that, be content. Content means being grateful and at ease with where you are until God gives you more. But what people do is they skip needs, go to wants, or even jump to desires, and why find themselves in all kind of debt. 
because they didn't start with God's priority system. Then you can go to want. You have an apartment, but you want a house. Both are of the same essence, a place to live, but what you want is more space that you get in a house than you get from an apartment. That's a want. That's a fine want to have as long as you're giving thanks that you have a place to live. Then comes the desire. It's okay to have desires. The Bible says God gives us the desires of our heart. So God is not against desires, but he is against desires that skip once, complains about needs, getting in debt to fix the desire when you haven't been grateful for the needs he's already met. Learn more about the benefits of using God's blessings and resources His way. Check out Tony's CD series, Kingdom Stewardship, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Matthew 19, 14. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert, so glad you're listening on this uh, Monday edition, a brand new week, a great day to resume our study of God's Word. Proverbs 23, and I want to get to verse 12, but hey, Bert, I was just uh, looking at the video because, you know, folks, you can watch online. I know most people probably hear on the radio or maybe on a mobile device, but uh, if you're watching online on afa.net or on the Exploring the Word Facebook page, you can see the video too. Bert, I saw that you've got on a shirt that says the Don Wildman Center for Cultural Change. You've got on your your shirt about the Don Wildman Center, don't you? We did. We received these about a year ago. Matter of fact, March, we will have been in the new facility that uh, we were able to build a year and uh, it's a great, yeah. we had to get out of the old one. It some, had some issues of roof and foundation. And uh, so we're over here, and this is what they called it to honor Brother Don. Brother Don, everybody ask every once in a while. He's still, he's still living, and uh, praise God for the heritage and the legacy he leaves behind, not mm-hmm. just the transformational center, but a family. And uh, with Tim yes. and, and just a great uh, three other children and several grandchildren and a lot of great-grandchildren as well. So we praise the Lord you know, for Bert, Don um, Wildman. And, and I had the privilege of being at the building dedication there a year ago. I didn't realize it had been a year. Yep. Goodness, how time flies. But in the current issue of The Stand, which is the AFA magazine, there, Tim has a real good article about his family did you happen to see that article? I did. I read it. Yes, from back in the day. Didn't you love that picture? So it it was a great picture, folks. If you get a chance, you ought to check that out. And uh, that magazine is always wonderful. But hey, this would be a good motto for anybody's life. Verse twelve: Apply thine heart unto instruction, and thine ears to the words of knowledge. Bert. That's what I want to do. <laughs> Apply my heart to understanding and my ears to God's words of knowledge. Isn't that awesome? When that verse, it's talking about what you take in and then what you follow. What you take in, you usually follow. If you let garbage in, you garbage out. But when you take in godly instruction, and you receive it as you should. As it says in the book of James, it says receive the holy word of God. It doesn't mean reluctantly, but it means with great joy, receive the word of God. And that's what Alex and I want to do here on Exploring the Word, that the word of God is sure. It is is founded, and, and it's settled in heaven, and it is good to follow. 
So Alex, verse 12, I had it highlighted in my Bible because way before I started studying this chapter, uh, it's one of those verses that I want to live by. Well, um, we got a verse that's going to make Dr. Spock turn over in his grave. And uh, that's this is a good about, thing. have you noticed as it comes toward the end <laughs> of the book of Proverbs, it, it hits on this quite a few times, you know. It says uh, in verse, verse 13, 13. Yeah, you go ahead and read it. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. You know, I think, I, I got to say, Neil and Becky McFarland, that was probably their life verse, Bert. <laughs> oh, me. Now, you know, permissive parenting says, oh, you would never uh, spank a child or something like that. But the Word of God here says that, you know, don't withhold correction. Uh, if you beat him with a rod, he shall not die. Verse 14, thou shalt beat him with the rod and shall deliver his soul from hell. That is wow. your ultimate goal. Your ultimate goal yeah. is for them to know God through Jesus Christ. Again, this is not the only thing it says to how to correct a child. You correct the child through instruction. This is it. And so it's the balance that you find in Proverbs. If you take one verse, say, this is it. I'm going, you know, no, look at the word it, it says. And, and if when you balance that out, and I, I know I've done it again. I'm going to do it a, another time and another time. Your friend Josh McDowell said, rules without relationship will lead to rebellion. So, yes, you instruct them. Corporal punishment is appropriate, but it's also appropriate to take time to tell them what the expectations are and spend time with them, Alex. So it's both and, not either or. We, exactly, exactly. Well, it goes on, and it talks about how if we're wise, we'll rejoice, rejoice in truth. Verse 16, the way the King James renders it, my reins shall rejoice when thy lips speak right things. Very often in the old uh, King James, the word reins, R-E-I-N-S, speaks to really um, your, your, your heart and your soul, the real you. And, and a person of God does rejoice in truth. They do. Um, we are, it, it really, i got to tell you, Bert, when I hear the truth of God preached, and whenever things, and very often it's rare nowadays, but when, when the right prevails, it, it does, it's therapeutic to my soul Amen. to hear truth. So My we, so we rejoice in that, don't? So we rejoice in yeah. truth is what you're yeah. saying, no matter what exactly. that truth might be. Yes. Verse 17 says, "Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all day long." Isn't that something? And you began the show with that one. There is an afterlife. There, there is an end and a purpose, and uh, we don't need to be envious of those that are. Maybe for the moment they're living for the world, but they have no hope of eternity. But as it says there in verse 17, our trust and our fear is in the Lord, isn't it? It really is, and you've heard this before again. I, we, Alex and I do repeat ourselves from time to time, but for the lost person, this earth is as good as it gets. For the saved person that knows Jesus Christ, this is as bad as it gets. So our hope, notice that word, it is so real. You remember 1 Corinthians 13, these three, faith, hope, and love. Hope is right in the middle of that. It's because of our faith, and it's a result of love. And so we can have hope. And here it says it is not cut off. Alex, uh, I would say that's assurance, brother. You know, Amen. assurance, when you fear the Lord, that means you trust him. That means you're following him. That means your hope is secure in him. Our hope is not in who we are. Our hope is what Jesus Christ has done for us and that we are living in that hope. Brother, that's great news. Uh, I'm going to—may I skip down—in the interest of time, I'm going to skip down to verse 23 because I, I, we need to get this. It says, by the truth, B-U-Y, this is a King James, by the truth— Sell it not. Also, wisdom, instruction, and understanding. Now, the word translated buy there, you don't go to the store and buy the truth, uh, but it means acquire. And really, the implication is that we are to proactively, diligently 
go after that which is true and that which is real. Now, look at these. You could make a sermon outline of verse 23. (laughs) One, two, three, four things you ought to go after. Truth, wisdom, instruction, and understanding. But which one comes first, Alex? Truth. Is that means those others are uh, for the good? They're going to be based upon truth, real truth. Exactly. Well, and see, here's the thing: the fact that there is truth, and the fact that we are called to know the truth and turn from that which is false. And remember, in John fourteen six, Jesus says He is the truth. I mean, of any of the attributes that Christ could have. Uh, attributed to himself, I think about the fact that he called himself truth. Isn't that something? And the fact that uh, truth exists really is proof that God exists. Because in a universe without God, we wouldn't... Let let me say, if there were no such thing as God, we wouldn't even be discussing truth. (laughs) Amen. Alex, Uh, I can't help but notice what follows. After truth, wisdom, uh, instruction, understanding... The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. What is a father to do? What is a parent to do? It is truth. And then that comes to the child wisdom, understanding. That is so proof. So let me read 24 uh, again. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice, and he who begets a wise child will delight in him. Let your father and your mother be glad, and let her who bore you rejoice. My son, give me your heart, and let your eyes observe my ways. I'm going to stop there. We can get 27 and 28. But so what we're doing, what what I see this, Alex, is so real. You know the truth, and you glorify God, and then in verse 26, observe my ways. The father, the parent, the mother is to live the truth of what they know. It's not putting truth in one segment of your life and your actions in another segment of life so that they're contrary to one another, but they should be in agreement. Mm. Do you get that out of those verses? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and let me just say this about being a joy to your—verse 24-25, being a joy to your mother and father. When Bert, when you and I were back in Proverbs 17, verse 25, it talks about— a sinful son was a heaviness to his mother and father. Bert, I could not, literally could not tell you how many hundreds and hundreds of times I've stood in church lobbies meeting people, and it happened yesterday. I was in Spartanburg, First Baptist Church, and a dear mother and father came up, and this dad was weeping tears. He said, would you please pray for my son? He was raised in the church. He was in the youth group. But now he's about 30, and he's an atheist. And he he not only doesn't believe in God anymore, but he seems to take delight in mocking the fact that Mother and I are still Christians. Bert, I, I wish there was something that I could just snap my fingers and wipe away the tears of moms and dads who have shared with me the heartbreak of kids that not only can backslid, but I mean just rejected God and rejected Jesus. And that's heartbreaking, for one thing, because, you know, God is real and the gospel is important, and uh, whenever I hear of people that are headed for hell, that's sad. But it is so sad when a child um, breaks the heart of his parents. It is, and again, it goes back to verse 9. Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. They're, they're acting foolish, rejecting the word of God, uh, departing and going your way. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. And so this is man. And it goes back to what we started this program with, Alex, the inerrancy of the word of God. Uh, many times they want to be able to pick out the part that they want to obey and disregard the rest, and they go their way, and they develop their own, and they invent a God in their image. It's not the God of the Bible. It's the God they want. And when they've done that and they come back to the God of the Bible, they, they say, no, I don't want that. I want the God that I've invented in my heart. Now, I don't know all the steps that people have gone through, But as you've talked to parents, I have as well, 
and many of them has gone that way of what they want God to be like rather than what God is like. And, mm. uh, but so if you're listening today as a listener and you're away from God, listen, come back to him. Now the prodigal son did, he came and when he came to himself and he remembered. So remember those things that you were taught. If you were raised in church, raised by godly parents, come back to that. God will greatly receive you as you repent and come back to him. Amen. Well, Proverbs 23 concludes with two, really two of the strongest admonitions in all of Scripture against alcohol abuse and immoral activity. And I'm just going to say this, verse 27, and and look, we could talk about the alcohol abuse and the warnings against drunkenness, and, and we will, but I want to say, one of the reasons the Bible, I know the Bible is the Word of God for a lot of reasons, but the Bible doesn't mince words. You know, sex outside of marriage is a sin. Sex between two unmarried people is called fornication. And then when a married person um, commits sexual immorality, it's called adultery. Well, uh, an adulterous woman, in verse 27, is called a whore. W-H-O-R-E. And then it also warns against the strange woman, which is literally the Hebrew word for seductress. Yeah. Now, in sometimes it's translated harlot. And I'm just going to say this. Look, Jesus will forgive anybody that comes in repentance, says, Lord, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. But you know what? Um, it's not. Nowadays, we talk about people that they party or somebody, so-and-so is a player. The Bible says... Um, the seductress, uh, men are adulterers, fornicators, women, the Bible condemns being a whore. And Bert, I know these are hard words. I mean, these are, they are, this is tough as nails. Why is God so frank about this? Because God is trying to get people saved and keep them out of hell, isn't he? He is. And notice how close the abuse of alcohol and this seduction in sexual immorality is because alcohol lowers the inhibition so much because it talks about being hit and you don't know even you've been hit. Uh, You've been beaten and you don't even feel it. But then when you awake, you'll seek it again. Yes, it will. And saying perverse things. and, And so when you say that and you combine those two, alcohol with immorality, you have a rebellious spirit, a rebellious nation, and the danger that you play in, in those are disaster and destruction. And so, listen, stay with God, obey Him. Well, Alex, we're going to take phone calls in the next segment. That's always a joy for us. And that number is 888 What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe that our ministry, as well as everything in the heavens and on earth, belongs to God. And our role is that of a trusted manager. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute, no way. There's a way, the Alexa way. So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan, double MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. 
Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. In Paul's first letter to Timothy, he expressed his awe, wonder, and amazement at the inexhaustible grace and mercy of God in that he saw fit not only to regenerate Paul, but to also find him worthy for appointment to gospel ministry. Paul knows his history as a blasphemer and a terrorist who sought to destroy the way of Christ following. He stands as a witness to the fact that no one, and I mean no one, is beyond the grace of God. Keep praying for your unsaved loved ones. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Exploring the Word, Bernie and Alex with you today, and we're going to answer or do our best to answer your questions. And uh, Alex, I'm reminded, and this is kind of a repeating day for me. I don't know why I get into days like that, but I had a professor that uh, somebody asked a question in class, and he took, if you know who Jack Benny is, and if you don't, you can Google it and find out. He took his uh, Jack Benny stance with his, uh, you know, his chin just resting on his thumb and his finger, and he said, you know, some some questions are to be answered. Some questions are to be admired, and I sure do admire your question. Next question. <laughs> so anyway, but we do our best to give biblical answers to your questions. So, Alex, where did we go to first? Well, we are going to go to Mississippi. John in Mississippi, welcome to Exploring the Word. You did. Hey, uh, thanks for Bible study uh, every day of the week, you guys. Lord bless you. Um, I was listening to AFR yesterday, and uh, uh, I came in after the program already started, but I got most of it. Uh, The couple of Jewish, uh, I guess, rabbis came to Texas and found the fourth and final red heifer, unblemished red heifer. And uh, they've got all four now, and they have yet to build the temple and uh, so my question is, is it, uh, and you may not know the answer, but is it possible for Jesus to, to come rapture the church before that temple is built, or does that temple have to be built first? Alex, let me just give a simple answer that I've looked at in the Bible. Uh, the John, uh, Paul looked to the second coming of Christ, and the, the first temple had not even been destroyed some of that time. You know what I mean? And so I, my question is, I don't think so. He could come back at any time. It's called the imminent return of Christ. So, Alex, right. do you think uh, anything differently? Uh, no, I, I believe that the rapture will happen uh, before the, the final temple is, is built. Now, one of the exciting things about the times in which we live is that, you know, Bertie, the fall of last year, I think September of 22, there was a report in the news about some uh, rabbis coming to Texas to find the the red heifers that are needed for uh, temple sacrifice. And so, look, uh, we are near the end of time. I really believe that we're in the last of the last days. There will be a third temple rebuilt, but it could vary. In fact, I think very uh, likely will be after the rapture, Bert, and perhaps the land and the location of this temple will be a bargaining tool in the hands of the one who will eventually reveal himself to be the Antichrist. It seems to me that I've heard also they've got the plans, they've got the materials ready to go when the time happens. Now, again, that's just people that I've heard say that, Alex. So uh, we just need to be ready for his return at any moment. Amen. Well, Karen in Texas, Karen, thanks for holding. Yes, welcome to Exploring the Word. Just 
Hello. Thank you, guys. I didn't hear you quite come on. Um, First of all, I love you guys so much, and thank you. I praise the Lord for your program. And, Alex, I just want to tell you thank you so much for every time you fill in. I I don't know. I pray for the Lord's strength for you because you you seem to fill in in so many when needed just like on the core today, but I uh, I appreciate you and I pray for you. Hey, Karen, and, Karen, let me interrupt so a minute. Let me, have you ever, if you know anything about baseball, you know there's these utility fielders. They can fill in at just any spot. Alex is a utility fielder for AFR, <laughs> and I I, I, I agree to with God you, Karen. The glory. Go ahead, Karen. And we give is. God the praise. Well, and and I I'm gonna give a shout out to Ray Pritchard because this is where my uh, my question comes from. I'm I I I follow what y'all do, but Ray Pritchard has started his uh, you know year long Bible study, and I've done the, you know, read the word, but I like the way he's laid it out. But I was studying, he's in Matthew, and I just had a quick question that I've had underlined in my Bible. And um, when, when in Matthew 8, when Jesus came upon, you know, the demoniacs and, and turned him into the swine, they just said, well, uh, you know, he knew they were demons. They knew he was the Son of God. My question to you was, I just read it for the first time. I understood the first time. It was like, it's not before our time. Why are you here to judge us before our time? And I, I just question that because Satan doesn't know the time and the demons know the time. But back then... They obviously knew the time, so I just wanted y'all's insight insight on that. Amen. That's a good. That's great. Let me first say about James. Uh, on the book of James, it makes plain that even the demons believe and they tremble. Uh, some of the demons have had greater uh, response to who Jesus Christ is than some humans oh. because they don't Amen. even believe it, and then they don't even tremble. But at least the demons believe and tremble. And I think that gives segue into our answer here about them crying out to Jesus, Alex. You know, Bert, I'm glad you said that. And Karen, you've asked a great question because in Matthew 8, 29, uh, the demons, Jesus is going to cast them out of this man. And they said, what have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God? See, they acknowledge the deity of Jesus. Uh, demons had better theology than some liberal Protestants today that deny the divinity of Christ. It says, have you come to torment us before the time? Um, Let me just say this, that Satan doesn't know when Christ is going to return. The demons don't know, but yet here's what they do know. And certainly maybe they had read Job 19, 25, and 26, that the Redeemer would stand on the earth at the end of time. Maybe they knew about the the fact that his hands and feet would be pierced. So maybe, uh, and again, I don't want to imply at all that the devil is omniscient and has all knowledge, but apparently those demons, even though they know that they're going to be judged and condemned to the lake of fire, they apparently realized that Christ had not suffered on the cross and risen again and if Jesus was going to cast them into outer darkness on that day, uh, it maybe even to those fallen angels seemed a little premature. Bert, I, I really think that Matthew 8 is a fascinating insight into what Satan and his demons may or may not know. I agree with you. And here's another idea, whether it's right. We don't know exactly uh, which one of this is, but this man, they had... They had come and indwelled in him. They, they, he was demon-possessed, and they would have stayed with him until his death had he not been the demons being cast out. So when they're cast out from someone, when they're out of someone who has died, guess what they're going to do, Alex? They're going to go and find someone where else to dwell, so it, mm-hmm. it was before the time of Christ, but it was also before this man died. He was delivered, and that's the that's great news to be delivered. 
and don't wait too late. If you have Satan working in your life, don't give him room. Don't give him space. Don't do uh, affairs. Don't get drunk. Don't don't do the cheating. That gives him more room to operate in your life. Uh, and and then if you are right now, ask Jesus Christ to save you and say, God, I'm I, I know you died on the cross for me. And I, I know I've got this addiction. I know I have this habit, whether it's demonic or not, I'm not sure. But in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask you to save my soul and deliver my soul from hell and demonic spirits. I, I, Alex, I believe God can do that, brother. Amen. He can. He'll redeem. He'll cleanse. And yes, he will deliver. He will. Jim in Arkansas. Jim, thanks for holding. Welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Alex. Uh, I want to tell you, uh, both of you guys, I appreciate uh, your ministry. I get to listen to you for just a brief time every day as I drive home from work, but I do appreciate everything that you guys say. And so earlier you were saying about spare the rod and spoil the child. And, you know, I'm, I'm like you guys, I'm about, I'm 60 and, you know, I got to see my pants dusted many times when I was a kid, but Mm -hmm. I always knew why I got my seat dusted, right? And every time that my parents would spank me, two or three times, they would tell me that they loved me. And so I I knew it wasn't out of malice. I knew it wasn't out of hate. I knew it was because I needed correcting. And I teach at a junior high school, and, you know, you can tell the kids who have been, you know, disciplined as children and how much better that makes life uh, for for them and how much better they are adjusted. So I just appreciate mm-hmm. what you guys do and just kind of wanted to throw that out there. Let me add mm-hmm. something to this, and this is in the book of Proverbs, and I think this is for parents as as well as anyone. It's Proverbs fifteen one. A soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. When you when your child does stuff that just gets under your skin beyond measure, and you can tell that's kind of a testimony, three three boys that are like their daddy, you know, but I found out a quiet, soothing approach works better than just a harsh word and saying things you should not say. So, Jim, a word well said. They need to know you love them. And another way you show them is not just tell them, spending time with them. Uh, How do you spell love? Someone has said T-I-M-E, and there's a lot of truth in that. Thank you, brother. Gail in Iowa. Gail, welcome to the program. Yes, hi. um, uh, I am a born-again believer, and I have been for years and years and years. And um, I live by the Bible. I read it every day. I mean, I, I live by the Bible. But anyway, um, um, I know that there's a verse in there that says um, that God forget on the cross when Jesus shed his blood, he shed it for our past, our uh, present, and our future sins also. Um, well, I just found out not too long ago that my husband of 46 years um, has been cheating on me for a long, 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 I mean, many, many, many years, I just found out, and giving away um, so much of our money, uh, my, my family's inheritance, um, to this woman. And so I just want to know, I just don't feel like I can forgive him, but I know what Jesus said, you know, if you don't forgive, then God can't forgive mm-hmm. you. Well, so what, what, where does that put me then? Okay, Gail. Bless you. Bless I'm you. So that's, sorry. That's, that is, that's heartbreaking to hear that, know that. Let me just share this with you, Gail. And I'll make it short, and Alex, you can say what, but the forgiveness is for your benefit, Gail. Let me just say that. Uh, The forgiveness, when God asks us to forgive, it is more for our benefit because unforgiveness and uh, bitterness in our heart destroys so much. Unforgiveness and bitterness, let me say it this way, is very destructive, and it will wear on you, Gail, beyond measure. But one more thing, usually this kind of forgiveness comes in steps, and you have to repeat it again and again. But it is for your benefit. Your husband, you know, he still, he's, he did what he did, and he'll, need, he'll probably reap the consequences of it at least one day. Alex, go ahead. Well, first of all, my heart goes out to you, and I'm so sorry because this this is painful on a lot of levels. And I will say that um, 
if you can forgive and if you can mend your marriage, it will uh, it will be one of the greatest works of God in your life ever. And let me encourage you that um, really in no way do I minimize the, the pain and the evil of this because it's a breach of trust. It's wrong on so many levels, but um, God can weave great good out of it. Um, I know it's painful. I would encourage you to, number one, pray and don't do anything rash. Um, be very slow and meticulous and very sensitive to the leading of God's Spirit as you process the days ahead. But really seek a marriage therapist or a marriage counselor that is Christian. And there are many good ones. And if you call Focus on the Family, and I work there. I, I did work for Focus on the Family. But they've got a database of marriage therapists that are godly. They've been vetted out and approved. And certainly they're they're all over America and and I got to say, your husband owes it to you to get right with God. He owes it to you to be accountable, and he owes it to you to work on this marriage. And um, let let me say this too, Bert, and you you elaborate. And I know we've got James in Illinois, so hang on. But here's the thing, Bert. I I do think there can be uh, forgiveness and steps toward restoration, but it doesn't mean that Gail here is to be a doormat either. Uh, there needs to be financial accountability if he's been giving away money, especially if it was money that it really wasn't his to give away. Uh, Bert, um, morally, spiritually, financially, sexually, uh, on a lot of levels, there's got to be uh, repair, and God can do it, but it's going to take commitment, isn't it? It really will. Let me give you, here's what I want everyone to do, right? Gail's name down. You're listening. We got a great prayer warriors on exploring the word all over America. So we want you to pray for Gail in wisdom and pray for her to follow God. She says she has, but this is hard. And we understand that. The other thing, Gail, that I'd love for you to do is read the first part of the book of Hosea, Hosea and his wife, Gomer, and look what he did in the area of restoration. And I, I think it will bless you. I think it will minister to you and help you. And uh, so I, I don't understand everything about Hosea, but I understand it represents God's love for us. And uh, so God loves you, and he wants your husband back right. And uh, we're going to join you in that prayer, Gail. So thank you for calling today. Hey, James, I uh, love I'm your so question. Sorry, James. We, but if you'll call back. We'll remember that name from Illinois, and we'll put you at the top of the list, brother. That's right. Um, James, sorry we didn't get to you. Uh, in the meantime, James, read Galatians 1, verse 8, and we'll elaborate more on that tomorrow. But this has been Exploring the Word. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 24 tomorrow, good Lord willing. And we want to thank you with all of our heart for listening to this program. Do something for us. If you would tell people about American Family Radio, Tell people about exploring the Word, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.